Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The headline said one word in thick black letters across the top of the page. Revenge. The story was a classic tale of spurned love. A woman's husband had cheated on her and went off with her best friend. He bided her time, waiting for her opportunity, and killed them both, not instantly, No, but in a way which allowed her to extract maximum satisfaction in giving them maximum terror. It was a nasty, sorry, sordid story. But I think the reason why it made the front page was because deep down, a lot of us know someone who we would like to get even with. Even more troubling, at any given moment, there's likely someone who would like to take revenge on us. The desire for revenge is like a deep itch somewhere down inside. The media knows that if we can't scratch the itch ourselves, we like hearing about someone else who could and did. But along life's journey, it is inevitable that we will be misunderstood, possibly mistreated, likely hurt. Sometimes we suffer in silence, but sometimes we decide to become judge, jury, and executioner. You may have been wronged. You may have been wronged by a fellow Christian. You may have been wronged by a family member or a neighbor or friend in the community. That feeling of hurt goes deep. It gives birth to a desire for retaliation. You want to get even. If we had the courage or the stupidity, we would love to see them get what they deserve. You may believe that your resentment is just, and it might be. Your anger at being hurt is a testimony to the sense of fairness which God has placed in our conscience. But our feelings tend to go too far. They tend to become a longing to get even as soon as possible. As soon as an opportunity presents itself. That's how deceitful temptation is. It makes evil look like something good. Sometimes getting even with the person who hurt us involves simply holding it over them. Instead of taking immediate revenge when we've been wronged, we often try to cover up our anger and pretend like nothing's wrong. So instead of outright revenge, we find other ways. We treat those who have hurt us with disgust or disdain and resentment. We want little or nothing to do with them. We refuse to help them or cooperate with them in any way. We feel justified in spreading gossip about them, making sure that everybody else knows just how much they hurt us. 
We can secretly rejoice when any misfortune befalls them. We can frustrate their goals and their plans. And then we can hold on to that anger and never let it go. It's tempting to try to take on the role of God and to seek to punish others who we feel deserve it. As long as our hearts are full of revenge, of that desire to get even, we cannot develop into mature Christians. Every unresolved conflict, every grudge that we harbor, every resentment will wreak havoc on us spiritually, and I'm told physically as well. Every unresolved conflict produces a sort of wound. Someone has done something to us, and we allow it to fester. Thoughts of revenge can control our minds where we no longer behave rationally. We find ourselves acting before we think. Revenge can empty our lives of happiness, joy, peace, and contentment. In the end, revenge is not sweet, as they say. It's not even bittersweet. It's self-destructive. If you give in to resentment, Paul the Apostle says, evil will have conquered you. So, when you're hurt, when you're wronged by someone, how are you supposed to respond? You should not take revenge. We should not get even, and we should not go hold grudges, especially not in the church. <laughs> you laugh. But there are grudges and resentments in this church. Some, of, some people hold them. I know, I've been here long enough to figure out what some of them are. You're supposed to forgive those who've wronged you. But you may say, you don't know what they've done to me. I can't forgive them. If, you, if that's how you think, then you should simply admit that you don't want to forgive them. You don't feel like forgiving the person. And we need to recognize that that kind of attitude is the old us talking. The old, sin-riddled, self-centered old Adam that wants everything done its way. Forgive them. Forgive them. Or else, stop saying, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Many Christians think that forgiveness is pretending that everything is all right, that the other person has really done nothing wrong. Forgiveness doesn't mean saying it didn't really happen. It's not saying it didn't matter. Evil is real. It hurts, sometimes badly, and sometimes with lasting consequences, lasting effects. And it doesn't mean that there won't be consequences to the person who hurt us. If you were hurt, it does matter. Evil needs to be confronted. But forgiveness is when it did happen, it did matter, and you're going to deal with it by loving and accepting the other person anyway. Yes, you should respond to those who've hurt you with love. 
You're to do good to them and for them. What we ought to do is clear. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. This means we do not seek revenge, but we actually find some way to serve those who've wronged us. Some way to seek their good and their well-being. We might think that taking vengeance will be satisfying, but it simply perpetuates the cycle. We don't have to carry anger and bitterness, resentment and revenge. When we refuse to take revenge and we deliberately rid ourselves even of the desire for it, we're taking responsibility for our own mental health, our own emotional well-being. We are refusing to allow our future lives to be determined by the evil that someone else has done. It's bad enough that they did something hurtful. Why should we let them have the right to keep us in a bitter and twisted state? But since we believe in a creator God who made a good and lovely world, we believe that everything which defaces and distorts, damages, or despoils part of that creation is not another type of goodness, but actually it's an opposite. It's evil. So the question is, what's God going to do about it? God is going to see to it that justice is done. That was in our gospel lesson, by the way. Did you catch it? It was, it was in the gospel lesson. The Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He's done. God will see to it that justice is done. So we, so we should lay it down. We are to live at peace with those around us and leave vengeance to the one who's best suited to deal with it. We should trust God to deal with it in His own time and His own way. It's not our job to speed up the process. But there is quite a bit more that God has done to deal with evil. How did God respond to your evil? Did God seek to take revenge on you? He certainly could have. If anyone would have been more justified to seek vengeance, it would be God himself for all the wrong that our sin has done. But while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. At the heart of the gospel stands this claim that when human evil had reached its height, God came and took its full weight on himself. He took all your hurt, all the evil done to you and by you, and he extinguished it by his death. He did not repay evil of our sin with more evil. He was not overcome with evil. But it is Christ who overcame our evil with his goodness. It is Christ who heaped the fiery coals of forgiveness upon us. It is Christ who did not take revenge upon us, but instead let the vengeance fall upon him. Jesus did not lash out when the false charges were brought up against him. He didn't strike back 
when he was beaten or mocked, when he was nailed to his cross, what were his words? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, he blessed and forgave all men by shedding his precious blood on our behalf. Evil is real, and it was defeated by the death of Jesus Christ. If you were hurt, it does matter. And it mattered so much that Jesus went all the way to Calvary to deal with it. If you seek justice, for, if you want to seek justice for what has been done to you, then look no further than the crucified Messiah. On that cross, justice was meted out for all the injustices that have ever been committed in the world. It is Christ who was crushed on Calvary so that you will never be crushed again. You can rejoice. You can rejoice because Jesus is the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You can be patient in suffering because Christ suffered for you. You can persevere in prayer because Christ ever lives to make intercession for you. You can bless those who persecute you because Jesus has blessed you. You can repay evil for good because God has repaid your evil with forgiveness, life, and salvation. You can live peaceably with all because the chastisement which brought us peace fell upon him. You can leave room for the wrath of God because Jesus removed the wrath of God from you. As C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. May that peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.